next? You're incredible. Do you understand? Yeah. I'm serious. You think I could have done that without you standing next to me being strong? Are you feeling this? Are you feeling because I'm feeling right now? Yeah, I'm cold. You cold? Yeah. Let's get to Virginia, man. Yeah. Just keep your head down. So we just watched um, the film Good Time, produced by A24, directed by the Safdie brothers, starring Robert Pattinson. It's a it's a thriller. It's a modern day crime epic um, about Connie and Nicholas Nikas um, and the trials and tribulations that they go through um, throughout the course of their life. Um, do we want to shoot around to people's initial thoughts about the film? Um, I'll dive in on yeah. initial thoughts. So, a um, little bit of context that. I'm a huge fan of Uncut Gems. I've watched Uncut Gems probably closer to 10 times than five times. Um, and to me, you know, looking, when you look at a film's, uh, sorry, a director's filmography, whether it's Scorsese, the Coen brothers, Clint Eastwood, I think obviously there's themes that carry through their films throughout. So Scorsese obviously explores a lot of religion, violence, Retribution, crime, family. Um, family. But I think um, you look at this, these two films, and I think not only are there things that carry throughout both films, I think stylistically they're incredibly similar in the scenes of chaos that they create. Um, they, they have those crazy scenes of dialogue where it's like you're in a screaming match. The music is very similar in both films. Visually, it feels very similar. So that would be my initial impression of the film is that I liked it for the same reason I liked Uncut Gems in that it comes across as a very unique perspective um, on like, you know, a kind of out of control crime thriller, suspenseful. Like I would almost um, say that their films are like they're suspense driven in that every scene you're kind of on the edge of your seat. So my initial impression is that like the stylistic comparatives there between that and Uncut Gems made it a pleasant viewing experience for me. So well, I've never, I've never, I've never been to New York, but I think to to follow up on what you said, the clear through point to me between Uncut Gems and this film is that the Safdie brothers are obsessed with New York and yep. the concept of how New York is separate to a separate in its characterization and its fundamentals to other cities in yeah. the, throughout the world. And I think that's a good take. I've been to New York and I've been to the Diamond District, which is where predominantly most of Uncut Gems takes place. It's a chaotic place. You've got people outside the front of their stores trying to bring you into their stores. It's like almost like a Bali environment in a more corporatized, um, dirty, industrialized street urban area. So I think you see that in that film as well. Um, it's this concrete jungle, and there, obviously, I agree with you, completely infatuated with that environment. So having just watched that, I think that I really, really enjoyed Uncut Gems. No. I, um, <laughs> I, uh, we'll so, get to that. No, so, I mean, I might even go early. So I, I, having listened to or the little bit that I heard about this movie and then the very start of the movie, I thought, oh, here we go, I'm not going to like this. But I really enjoyed it. 
And I'll go so far as to say, admittedly, I've only seen Uncut Gems once, but I think that was better. I agree. I think I Uncut agree. Gems. I think Uncut Gems is that, but but made bigger, made yeah. made more in your face. With but a I will star, say, yeah, bigger like concept. Yeah, oh, I will say, and I'll just finish. Like I, I haven't. I've only saw Uncut Gems the first once, and I didn't really know what I was in for, so it probably took a while. But that's my opening comment. Zen. Yeah, I disagree. I um, I have seen this movie before, but I saw it after seeing Uncut Gems, so that's still like the kind of similar experience to you, you guys too. Same as me. But um, my take was that this, like, I, after finishing it, I thought this movie suffered from the fact that um, Uncut Gems had uh, achieved very similar things to what this movie had achieved but like at a higher level like I thought the character so why did this film suffer though because it we'll let him finish his point I thought I thought it suffered because um, they were doing similar things but Uncut Gems did it at did a it higher level did yeah, it okay. so like I think the character uh, the, the lead character we follow Robert, Pattinson, Robert Pattinson's character compared to Adam Sandler's Adam Sandler's was a lot more compelling a lot more in-depth a lot so more dynamic Adam Sandler does it more like it goes further the question is is it better so I think the character's written better as well is is, is my take as well Um, I think uh, yeah I think it's kind of it's kind of the case with I think you can clearly see the the relationship between this film and Uncut Gems is and it's kind of the sake of you write the contained story and it's I'm not going to say it's perfect. What do you mean by contained story? As in, like, this film is... It's a one-night thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's shorter. It's more succinct. Mm-hmm. It's more focused. There's less external actors. It's very much focused on Connie, very much focused on his relationship with his brother, and it's Connie's struggle. And I feel like it's, it's the Safdie brothers. They did this film. They're like, this is the focus. And, I mean, when you have a film that is focused in that way, it's harder to... F- fuck it up in the sense of you're spending the entire film focusing on one aspect of one character and his relationship with his brother and this one night that has occurred um, and then you clearly go from the okay so how can we take this to the next level we do it with the Adam Sandler character we incorporate um, you know these actors from um, Atlanta and all these things like this we take it to the next level we, we broaden out the scope of it and I think I enjoyed Uncut Gems and I've only seen it the one time, but personally, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the case where you first hear like a musician, you know, you first hear the first hit of a, of a band and then you listen to their second album and they've tried to do something new and it's like, I kind of just liked when they did the, you know, when they had the, they had the focus on the first, you know, their first thing it was kind of pure. That's what I felt about this, this film compared to Uncut Gems. I enjoyed Uncut Gems. I like this film better than Uncut Gems. Yeah. So I'll jump back in there. Um, Echoing a lot of what Zan said, I just think the we'll start very basic, very basic point. Adam Sandler is a much better actor than Robert Patterson, and much better in that film than yeah. Robert Patterson was oh. in that film. I'll start with that, as the regular listeners of the pod will know. I'm a very character-driven person, very dialogue-driven person. To me, I just felt Adam Sandler's character so much more than I felt his character. I fucking wept from him from a perspective of a family man, him trying to do the right thing, the dramatised version of every... Try- he was trying to... He had his hand in so many different pots, trying to satisfy so many different people. And in the end of the day, he was just this, like, innocent child-like sports fan. To me, that film is, like, a... Mar- like, that's a modern masterpiece to me and would be a film that if we were to compile a list of our favourite films of the last five years, Uncut Gems is definitely on it for me. 
And I like Connor's take on this being an isolated portrayal of one night in an action. Because I think that's kind of, that was almost the redeeming point of the film for me, was that they took this isolated incident, sped it up, put it on steroids, made it super, super intense. And um, like that just, that was really stimulating for me because I like those type of films. If there's a film that takes place in an isolated environment, which this film almost kind of felt like, even though they were moving around, it felt like they were trapped in this one scenario of like he's trying to save his brother, this other guy's trying to get back um, some money for the drugs and trying to work his situation out. It was very much like there wasn't a lot going on. You could follow what was happening quite simply. But to me, I just thought Uncut Gems was like, this film was their break into film. Well, so Uncut Gems was something they'd sunk a lot more time into. The script was a lot better written. They incorporated a lot, uh, a lot of different characters in a much better way. The narrative was more engaging. The acting was better. The ending was... So the ending is key in both those films. And that ending was just so anticlimactic for me. Like, I'm sure we'll get to the ending and other people have different takes to me. I thought the ending was just like... Not the worst part of the film, if I was to say. I thought the, the opening scene of the film was better than the ending of the film. But I could not say the same thing for... Uncut Gems, where the ending of the film is undoubtedly the best part of the film, so I, and leads and led left me feeling emotions that I don't really feel very regularly from film. So I, I mean, yeah, you're completely right. The ending in Uncut Gems is like super cool, and so I think as a reason, because the ending in Uncut Gems is so hectic, you and so powerful, you at least this was what I was. You're expecting the same thing in this film, and you don't get that in this film. It's not as powerful as it is in Uncut Gems. But I still think it's like I still think it's a good ending. I, don't, I think it's a bit harsh to say it's a bad. I don't know if you necessarily said it was a bad ending. It's, not, it was it's bad, not as good like an ending as Uncut Gems. So but good. I thought it was yeah true. But I, th- I thought it was a fine ending. Okay, so let um, me just jump in a couple of points. Can I jump um, in though on the script writing issue real quick though? Yeah. Um, so I I found that like the the key difference between the two of them because obviously the, the the degeneracy of the main character is a big element in both films, right? Like it's like from him hooking up with the 16-year-old, him, like, breaking with his brother and other thing, getting his disabled brother to do the crimes. Not a good person at all. Similar things to Adam Sandler's character. I found that um, in this movie, it had, like, a lot... His motivations had a lot more of, like, a and then, and then, and then, and then kind of drive to it. Like, it was... His brother got arrested, so... And then he had to break him out. And then it was the wrong guy, and then he had to... I've got a big take on that. But, like, whereas in Uncut Gems, it was, like, a... These characters' indeficiencies were the driving force of the the narrative and became... And they weren't in Uncut Gems? No, no, I'm saying that's in Uncut Gems, they were. Whereas in this film, it was more, um, this happened... So oh, this, more the circumstances so in the character. Yeah, it was less of a character film. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, see, I, see, I disagree on that, because I want to pick up on, the, on what you said about Adam Sandler's character and Robin Pattinson's character in this film, the distinctions between the two of them, in that, yes, I agree that you you empathise 100% more with Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems, because at the end of the day, he's a fuck-up in the sense of he's not the best gambler, but at the end of the day, like, he's a gambler, he's not doing anything that is actually 100% wrong, he's just fucking up, 
in his bets. He's in debt to his bookie, all these things. At the end of the day, he's not a flawed person. He does, you know, he has a fucking mistress and all those things. It's almost like he's a good person on paper. He's a good person, and, makes, and we can... Yeah. And we can we can empathise with him because we're like, fuck, you know, he made the good bet and it came out and then he's got fucked over because of all his history. That is different to Robert Pattinson in this film is that Robert Pattinson is a fucking fucker. Robert pa- everything Robert Pattinson does, he's a fucking criminal, he's a fucking lowlife. Shit actor. <laughs> but no, but see, I think he portrayed the lowlife very well. Like, he is not supposed to be redeeming. He's trying to come with all these schemes and every single one of them fucks up because he's a fucking fuck up. Yeah. And I think Robert Pattinson actually plays it very well in this film. There are two things. I think he does. There are two things in this film that he needs to do. He has to show love for his brother, which is his only redeeming character. Yep. And he has to have this. He, he has to have this unnecessary faith in himself, this unga- this unguided faith in himself, which he does entirely because he keeps thinking that I can do something to get my brother out of this situation to get myself out of this situation and he fucks up every single way so it's kind of and like what Sam said the it's the ending, next thing the next yeah, thing the exactly next thing. the yeah. ending is anticlimactic in the sense that it every one of his efforts eventually fails and that's anticlimactic it, he doesn't he doesn't turn around he isn't successful at the end but that's epitomizes his character in the sense that he's just a fuck up he's a low life criminal scum and he fucks up yeah I think that's a fine take and I agree with everything that you said but it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't make him well, a better so character. I, I disagree with both of you. Like, I think, <laughs> I think it's um, it's a really good movie and possibly better than Uncut Gems. But I think it is more plot driven than character driven. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I, I take your points about the character and stuff, but I, I still think they're like low flying characters to let the plot drive it. Whereas Uncut Gems is more about okay, the characters about, driving the plot. Well, I'm gonna let Zan make his point in there. Um, I just wanted to say on the um. The point you made about uncut gems, how like you can empathise and ultimately Adam Sandler's character is like a good guy. So like, you think that until most of the movie, but until that very last point where he's in this position where like he could get out, he's won the bet, everything's fine, and then he's like, you know what, fuck it, we're doubling down, and like we're just like, no, but didn't didn't the bet get cancelled for him? Like, wasn't it? No, the bet the bet gets up. Yeah, no, but he got cancelled. The guy who placed yeah. the guy cancelled on his behalf. Yeah, no, but like later in the movie, he's in a position where he's like, you could pay off all your debts right now, or. You can just like place this bet that you're pretty sure is like it's 100%. so much better. <laughs> you're like pretty sure is a hundred percent, but like you don't know. You're still gambling. It's got odds. I don't know. Let's stop talking about untouched gems. Let's talk about this. Film. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. No, well, you, you can't. can't. Yeah, no, we, but we have. There's absolutely no way that you're going to be able to have this pod without a lot of uncut gem takes because yeah, we have they're so similar in style, music, gems. everything. And like, I think, and even in like they, the both films have this main character that drives the plot forward of this unraveling suspense of just like I'm a fuck up in every single scene. But like, like they're exactly the same. The thing, the thing that we've seen uncut gems influences our opinion on this movie. Because yeah, like, well, it's, it's, I it's saw this film. I saw this film before I saw uncut. Oh really? Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh. Well, so give us the take. That gives yeah, you take fine. on on because that not Mate, the case for any of us. So, so I didn't realize this was Safety Brothers until like after uncut gems. Oh, but the whole time I was just watching it, I was like, Pattinson is fucking great in this. This is the this is like a really un this is like a low you know low flying kid know, under the radar like fucking good film. Like, yeah. that, that's yeah. what I, when I first saw oh, it, I was like I started watching it and I was like I thought it was definitely awesome. I thought it was definitely a great film by modern standards of film. And I think that's the best film, uh, performance I've ever seen for Robert Pattinson. But oh, yeah. I just don't think that's saying much. Uh, <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> what are Robert Pattinson's top three movies? 
Okay, so there's Twilight this. One, Two, and Three. Okay, so I've I got... like him in. I like him in this film called. What the fuck was it called? Like, <laughs> he's just such an the one where he drives guy. around in a in a limousine the whole yeah. time. It's called like. Um, yeah, apparently, he's got a no, almost unforgettable. How bad he Can is. Look? <laughs> So I like him in this. I'm pretty sure I'm in Robert Patterson. I'm not. What the fuck is this? What is this, mate? I'm in the guy from Captain Phillips. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's got a bit of a bit more of a face. sound department. This entire time, my bad. All right, have we got uh, some... Can we go into the plot? Because yeah. I have some takes okay, on the so, plot. Okay, so, so, it, you, so you give us week, the introduction so on the plot, week, and then we can give our takes on the plot. So last week in Zan Selection Troy, we... <laughs> <laughs> on Zan's behalf I the best, raised I raised agreed, the concept the best film of the child of the, round <laughs> no no of the <laughs> film concept <Yeah. laughs> I raised the concept that this film had a relationship to Troy and I would just like to put it out there right what? now I don't remember that what what I don't remember that either I have no idea bad Troy. lead actor <laughs> that the retard brother is his Achilles heel no okay so <laughs> so when I first saw this film, I, you know, and I think this is going back to something we've talked about in the pod before, in the sense that there's only, you know, six or seven true, like, genesis of a film oh, yep. throughout yep. life. There's, you know, there's the hero's journey, there's Star Wars, there's, um, you know, there's the thing well, where the team band yeah. together, you know, Seven Samurai, all those yep. things. Yep. There are certain numbers of films that are, they call the same throughout, the same stories throughout, and they're, and they're just constantly retold. I... In watching this film, was constantly getting vibes of this is the Odyssey. This is Connie has an issue. His brother gets into jail, and he has to go through all these issues to try and resolve his brother. He goes through literally, literally. There's a cyclops. There's a cyclops. There's you know the the criminal that breaks out has one eye. Has one eye broken in, the other eye's open, Cyclops. There's the you siren, the fucking 16-year-old girl. It's a siren, he goes through that. Lops. And I, I think that that's that was um you know, it's 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 at its basic core, but that's the overarching thematic driver of the plot. Um, and it just so it's like, you know, look, you do a retelling of the Odyssey, it's gonna be an okay film. Like that's just a fact. Like Yeah, look, um it's 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 I'm a tried give- and true. Plot device. I'm going to give a much less abstract take <laughs> on the plot, um, but you know, obviously, freedom of speech on this on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into the pod. I thought the film for me personally went downhill after it was discovered that the person he had grabbed from the hospital was not his brother. Yeah, um, and. When I say downhill, I don't mean as in the plot spiraled out of control. I mean as in I thought the quality of the film got worse from there. I didn't really like that guy's character. I'm not really... I'm, I understand the intention of what the character was meant to do in the film, but I just don't think it was done very well. I don't think that guy was a particularly good actor, and I think that the direction the film kind of went on from there, the amusement park scenes to me weren't very engaging... Back in the um, apartment wasn't that engaging, and it kind of just like lost its way um, as regards him trying to get his brother back. It it just came. It was so far removed from the direct plot. It was like so many things needed to happen for him to get the money to then get his brother. And I don't know, like to me, just from that moment onwards, the film was not. It went from a eight to a six. 
Can't after that. Can adapt to what I was talking about with the and then and then and then element of it. It's like when you're like four or five steps through, it's a bit like what, yeah. What are, well, we, I just doing, feel, what are we doing? There right was now? a big part of me that just wanted the person in the room to be his brother, and then to see how that unfolded. Yeah. So I agree that there is. Yeah. A, I agree. Like I have a huge amount of faith in something that can get me in. I will give them a lot of rope. To end the film And I agree that Entirely I think the first half Of this film Is fucking brilliant Yeah and That's that how I felt I I agree with you In the sense that I don't think it ends As well As it does After that turn um, But I'm just Giving enough goodwill From the first half Of the film To carry through The whole film I think from that point forward You're saying so Dan Well so I agree that The point at which You realise it's not his brother Is definitely a turning point In the film and I feel like the intensity definitely drops. And whereas, like, through Uncut Gems, well, it's intense throughout the whole period. This film, you're right, it felt intense and then it kind of dropped. And I don't know, maybe that's why I did enjoy it so much and I didn't have a problem with that was my big fear was this was just going to be a movie about him taking advantage of his disabled brother. Whereas once it's clear that it's not his brother, you kind of... I, I felt relief because I'm like, oh, we're not going down that path. We're getting something a bit different. Agreed. Um, yeah. I just think it was so, better taking advantage of his brother. Pardon? What indicated that he was going to take advantage? No, you're, you're right, but I was worried. I just thought, I just thought, here we go. Disabled brother is a central plot device. That's going to be the story, and, and it's I was removed relieved now. that it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. So maybe that was why I enjoyed it. But I still am like, I, I take your point. There is very much like a and then and then and then and then. But like, I, I still found it enjoyable. I still found it engaging. But that goes, that goes back to the point where like, you know, it's it's and then and then and then. Because Connie's a fuck up. Like every single thing he does, he steals the wrong fucking person yeah, out of hospital, yeah, yeah. and he fucks up. And then he goes, "Okay, how do I do this?" I fucking, you know. Yeah, I get that, but that's just know. not that engaging of a plot line to just constantly fuck up. Yeah, but it's like it needs it's more. Rare. You need but it's more, like it's rare, and it's like you this need is more an indie depth film. That. They're they're investigating something that hasn't been looked at a lot in it's, film before. It's because really every tragedy, well. it's no, it's not that it's rare. Every it's really tragedy, well. like yeah. you go back to like. Key tragedies like Shakespearean tragedies, it's one fuck up after one fuck up after one fuck up until the character completely unravels. To me, it's just not engaging enough to rope me in for the whole film. Like, I need more than that. I need depth. To me, I was like, almost the whole film, I'm like, I want to know more about this character's background. Why is he in this position? Why is he doing this? What's the family background? Yeah, I just want, like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I've been conditioned from an early age with film. To want more from characters, and when I don't get it, it just leaves me feeling deflated. So that's what I like about their movies. Um, well, I don't know, I can't chance, but I agree completely. It's not deep, and nothing, nothing in it is deep. But I find it interesting that I'm able to stay engaged and interested in a hundred minute movie, even though it isn't deep at all. Like none of the in this film. That's anyway, true. Yeah, none of I the like characters that. are deep. None of the scenes are deep. But I still wanted to know what happened. So I do want to take this turn. I want to kind of go away from the like. It's deficiencies in the context of Uncut Gems. And can we just like talk about... That's like, not even in the context of Uncut Gems. I, know, I haven't mentioned Uncut Gems yeah, like yeah, 20 minutes. Putting aside Uncut Gems, yeah. it's not deep. I mean, it's not a masterpiece. I want to talk about like, these elements the Safety brothers have in both films that are super unique, that are super good and like super engaging, where they have this like grittiness and this degeneracy and this... Like that scene in uh, the first initial scene when he go, um, I guess the second scene when he goes to the um, Bond guy and they've got like the three phone calls over each yeah, other. That's a lot of chaos in the room. It's, it's just, just like that scene in the Diamond Parlor. Yeah, and, yeah. You, and you've got like the, the neon light there. It's got this whole mood to it. It's like the whole film and that 
a movie. It's like, I don't, I don't want to say gritty, but it's like a, a gritty adjacent type thing that really has this, like, brings you into it. And it's just like, you know, really engaging. Well, like, it's, it's very rare, I think, in a film to feel physical, like a physiological emotion of stress from a film. And I feel that in both the films. Yes. And that... And yes. that's almost like the apex moment, I, the scene I, that Zan just described. Exactly. I was sitting there in the couch, just like almost sweating. I'm like, this is so stressful. She's yelling, fuck you, mum. The guy's on the phone to the bailiff. He's got two The admin phones. girl's trying to... Yeah. The <laughs> yeah, then it ends up with him having two phones. He's going, why the fuck isn't your card working? Why is this? And it's just like so chaotic and so intense. And... I read an article after uncut after I saw Uncut Gems on Uncut, uncut Gems, and it described that like that this this film uh, review person basically said in thirty years of reviewing film, I've never seen directors able to create these chaotic scenes that don't just come across as messy and like oh that was a bit of a tiff. It comes across as like your your heart rate starts going and you're like almost like you're in the room, it's, it's, you know, and it's it's super powerful, and I feel like. They, they're going to keep making movies, obviously. We discussed their youth before. They've obviously got quite an illustrious career ahead of them on the trajectory that they're already on. And, you know, every time they release a film, I'm going to see it for that reason because I want to be in that moment where I'm just like, holy shit, I'm getting a physiological response from how fucking chaotic this scene so is. So there's, there's two really interesting points. I was, yeah, first thing I was going to say is, yeah, it's, it's like kind of my general grading for a movie is did it make me think? Was my mind kind of racing as I watched it? And this one does, and plenty of movies do. But you're right. Make you love almost, almost no films, other than their films, there's only two, make me, putting aside my brain, the rest of my body, and exactly as you said, a physiological response is going like, fuck yeah. me, like what's going on here? And that is so rare, and I might go so far as to say they're perhaps the only movie makers that have ever done that for me. And then the, the second point I was going to say is like, and, and maybe this is why, is that like, thank God we do live in the streaming service era where they're able, like, you know, me as someone who doesn't traditionally watch indie films and generally just watches commercial movies, I'm able to easily access these sorts of movies. Maybe it just reflects my narrow scope, but they're able to get, and you're right, they will have an illustrious career because there's a platform for them. So let's, let's just dive into that real quickly on the concept of, of that feeling of stress, that feeling of... Um, Realness that they bring through the films. One of the things that I um, picked up on when watching um, uh, interviews with the directors and with Robin Pattinson about this film is that this film was filmed like a lot of it without permits. Like a lot of the times that they're running through the streets, they're literally just filming it without um, the need to do it. So a lot of the people in the background are legitimate people and are not extras. Mm. Then there's also things like, and it's something that we raised in the film, the, for example, the bail bondsman, that bloke who was the bail bondsman, he was literally the bail bondsman of that site because they had originally had an actor in that position and they couldn't get him for some reason or another. They had it all set up. He wasn't able to do it. And they were like, fuck it, let's just shoot it with the actual fucking bondsman who owns this place. So that guy sitting there on the phone calling the guy he literally does that for a living and everything that he does he's not an actor he's a fucking bondsman 
And so it just gives this gritty, real oh. take for it. He was so um, good at it, yeah. That increases the fucking stress so much because, <laughs> like, was the Yamaka BYO? He's, <laughs> he's a real dude. Like, you know, and that goes back to your point that, like, is there anything more real? Is there anything more New York than that bail bondsman? Yeah, the, the, actually being a bail bondsman in the Brooklyn film. fucking bondsman. So yeah. what does a bail bondsman do? I'm still not. So, so they li- they liaise with the fucking prison, organizing the prisoners getting. Pay bail. So you come to them and you say, "I yeah. need to get ten grand." So for do bail. they negotiate bail? Or no, no. The bail is set so by the judge. Why do you involve this? They middle? take the security, like they, because you often you have to give security or something. So they okay, take the bail okay, yeah, yeah. a loan or whatever. Like yeah. So they're they're, they're like, like they're like yeah. if you can't afford bail, yeah, you go see this person. Yeah. 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 Okay. I see. And then you know, you know, fucking. So um, like Adam Sandler's character, they're buying nineteen eighties like Celtics ring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're buying Yeah. And it would have been a better movie. <laughs> and the, uh, yeah, and I mean, and, and and further, one of the other things I picked up from that, from looking at all those things, is that so they filmed, and it goes back to the Odyssey point in that they filmed in literally like five different boroughs of New York um, throughout this whole night. They you know they filmed like we yeah, some of it looked a lot like we don't know New York very well, but they filmed in like all five boroughs of New York. Little Hazel, yeah, yeah, some of it looks a lot like Harlem, yeah, like just the architecture. And so it's, it goes to that point where, you know, it's, 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 it's trawling, it's expansive, it's grounded in New York, it's real. Can I, this and kind I of fucking love Making my joke about a little hazy, but going to your point about that the film goes down once you realise that it's not his brother that he's stolen. Yep. Like, I, I kind of, and again, this might just be that I was relieved, but the, the scene where he's with the Haitian family. Firstly, how does he get there? What is the connection? How does so, he know them? So, the he, so they get dropped off. So the, the grandma from and the ambulance, dad from the get dropped drop off, off from the bus, from the hospital. Yeah. Then he goes, he goes, oh, I'm only, he, he remembers what their house looks like. Yeah. And he tells the bus driver, I'm only two use, blocks down. I just need to use the phone. He gets dropped down. Then he goes back to them and says, oh, the bus driver, like, fuck me, uh, I'll be dropping off. And as that was, was the joke about the Haitian. That was the joke about the Haitian hospitality that, like, of course, this Haitian Lady's gonna let you in. She's right. probably deeply religious she's, from Haitia. She's seen you for 45 yeah. seconds. Haiti, so, yeah. they have community bond. They're like, yeah, sure, come in, stay for hours. If so you I want. think that was my thing was that come that, in at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Don't leave the entire night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I'll set up a TV that doesn't play anything for you, and you're good. I, I in New York as like, well. You know, like, it was clear that something bad was gonna happen out of that, and evidently it was the taking advantage of the Yeah, because they'd come across the Siren Island. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think I was I was like I thought I, I he's thought like he's gonna I don't know, I thought he should do something real bad, but what sprung out of that scene was was the realization that it was the wrong guy. And I think again it might have just been relief, but I was like, Oh good, like that's what that why are we setting this up? And it was to enable that to happen. So I was kind of But isn't that a reflection of how good a filmmakers they are? That in a scene yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you're constantly just like, what does this mean? What does this yeah, mean? Yeah. What does this yeah. mean? Why are they setting this up? Because I was the same, especially with the context of Uncut Gems, I'm watching it just going like, is he gonna stab this girl? Like, is he going to rape this girl? Like, I was constantly just like, what is the point of being in this house? The old lady has now left. It's only him and the 15-year-old girl. What does this mean, you know? And that's why even... I was not... I was relieved when it was discovered that it was not the brother. But I was also like, this is just some crazy criminal. So to me, I wasn't actually relieved until they left the house. Once they got in the car and drove off, I was like, fuck. 
Like, thank God they're out of this enclosed environment yeah. with people they don't know. Because you have, and this, that's just a reflection of how good they are. Secondhand, you have this secondhand like embarrassment for Connie's character, and since he keeps fucking everything up, you want him to succeed, and you're like, oh god, you, 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 so you're really, really connected with Connie. If criminal comes through, like the grandma's gonna come out and be like, you know, what if the grandma dies and Connie's gonna fuck up? Can I chime in on the fuck up point because? Obviously, that's my first time watching that film. But I just did not interpret his character as a constant fuck-up at all. Because really? up, until, constant fuck up. up until the final scene where he gets caught, he's on the run and it's working. But nothing oh, works well. Yeah, like, not in the, the way. Car, nothing works The well. car isn't there when they come out of the bank heist. <laughs> yeah, the bank yeah, heist doesn't go well and he allows that, them to put the But isn't the that inherent that he's a criminal? Yeah, but it's, he's not a good criminal. Yeah, no. But I, who's I, a good criminal? A good criminal, in my opinion, is a white collar criminal who does things that are never going to get caught. If you're doing street crimes, I don't know if there's a way. Well, I'm being serious. I don't being serious. I don't know if there's a good, clean way to do. He's robbing a bank. You look at something like he's getting out of that clean in outside like, of the Red Dead Redemption. You look like stage. something like Heat, where Robert De Niro has everything has everything planned down at the minute. Everything works well, and as long as no one fucks up, it works. Yeah, well. but he's like and a high-end like, organized crime figure. I just don't yeah, know. If, does, does anyone else agree that like you didn't interpret his character as a constant fucker? So I, I didn't like his. Oh, like I didn't mind his character. I didn't love him as much as Connor seems to. But I, but I agree that he's definitely like. I agree with Connor's take that he's constantly fucking up. Like his he brother does. gets taken he, advantage of, and yeah, the car's not there, and then he runs off, and like yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. He's though. fucking up to the extent that like every decision he's making doesn't go. The way he wants, yeah, or exactly. or, or, or yeah, it, but what does that mean? It, puts, it, <laughs> it puts, means he's a fan. Or it puts him in a position worse off than before he made the decision. Yeah, so yeah. he like breaks the guy out of jail, uh, breaks the guy out of hospital that he thinks is his brother, and then it's not his brother. But then and now he has to fucking then, deal with this guy. Then, and then, at the same and time, and the he has the audacity and the presence of mind to steal a criminal from the hospital and wheel him out the front door. This is by no means a stupid person. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe you need a better word to describe him because I never at one point in the film thought he was a fuck up. When you realise it's the wrong, it's not his brother, surely you go, ah, this fuck up, he's done it again. But the guy's face was all master. Yeah, but exactly. I don't know. It takes like two seconds to just double check. There's things that are happening that are outside of his control, I feel. I don't know if that's an accurate. I don't agree with that take at all. The decision to like steal his brother thing from the thing does access it successfully goes for it, but what he's actually done is put his brother in the hospital with even more security, and now he has no access to his brother at all. So like the the outcome from his decision has put him in like a significantly worse position. Okay, so I'll so concede like, the point that the external outcome of his actions <laughs> that has nothing to do with what he's done makes yeah, him like, worse that's off. Life, though. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, it's unfair. Yeah. But that's how people. Like, yeah, are yeah. I mean, I've done nothing wrong at work, but somehow I'm worse off. But I'm a fuck up. Yeah, that's, that's right. the way the world works. All right, well, if that's the take. If that's the take. <laughs> okay. okay, do we want to? Talk, okay, so do we want to talk about the broader thematics of the film? Um, i.e. Do we want to talk about the American criminal justice system? <laughs> Uh, Who wants to have a take? Seven. Uh, I bet you want to take a Marion Green Justice. In what regard? So in a sense yeah. of. Do we so because there's a lot okay, there. Let's go back. Let's go back. Okay, yeah. so Connie, criminal, brother, retarded, exploited. You know, fucks up his brother. Yeah, mentally handicapped. Yeah. So, I, I dropped it before. That was my mistake. Yeah. Who should so, be using that word? He <laughs> is 
Despite the fact that he's clearly been taken advantage of, he's sent to Rikers fucking island. Yep. He is abused in prison. Yeah. He's assaulted to the point where he has to go to hospital. All of these things because his brother, yeah. who is a scumbag, cannot afford to bail him out of jail. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at a white collar criminal, he would never be in that situation because he'd be bailed out. It's an, obvious, it's so, an obvious take on. The justice system, both in the United States and around the world, it's complete inadequacy to deal with people that have mental health issues, and also to deal with people. But not even mental health issues, anyone. But, but low, low socioeconomic. Yeah, yeah but also, but also like the youth, like yeah. To me, the 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 justice system takes came in quite hard with the comment you made during the film when they discovered the sixteen-year-old girl loitering outside the amusement park, and their take is kind of just like, get the fuck out of here. You know, and that's the extent of the police, and that's how the police would operate in New York City. They don't have time. There's no community policing no. happening in New York City. They do not have time to put a 16-year-old black girl in the cop car and make sure she gets home Take safe. Yeah. They don't even know if she has somewhere to go home safe. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the reality of the environment that they're in. That's the reality of Biden's America, and that's the reality of just yeah. America. So, I mean, yeah, give it time. To me, yeah. from, from, a, from a basic take, it's a complete inadequacy of the justice system to deal with someone like the brother. But also, I was, I was interested in, like, what is Connie's background? Obviously, we get a little bit of a glimpse into the family, but I'm like, what is Connie's background that he is now in this position where he is robbing break, yeah, uh, banks with his mentally handicapped I mean, brother? I mean, and I think the Safdie brothers... Um, what is it again? Safdie. Safdie, sorry, not Safdie. The Safdie brothers, I think they're almost, like, presenting scenarios and just, came, just kind of being like... We're not commenting on it, but like, what's your take? Yeah. That's how it feels to me because they're just like presenting these scenarios, and that's kind of like what they did with Uncut Gems as well. And they're just like, it's for you to work it out, but this is the reality of New York City at this time in this place. I mean, I think, you know, raised. The by bloke with the Pete Puducheg shirt probably has a better take on this issue, so we'll let him <laughs> take the reins. I just said, raised by, you know, migrant grandmother and no one else on the scene. Like, I think. Like clearly, bonus points for anyone that knows the nationality of that last name. Great. Okay. Oh, really? Well, so there, exactly. There you go. So, the, I mean, the Correct. implication Good being reason. that that it's been a very didn't need research to know that difficult <laughs> child or difficult upbringing. I mean, do Demonte we, Rago, do we think? And Con, the answer for this from Connor is going to be obvious. But did we? Um, Connie as a character, putting aside whether he was a good or bad character, did we like him? Did we, did we kind of, were we rooting for him as you're often meant to with the main characters in? I don't actually know. Yeah, it's a fair point actually, because like... Decisive. Yeah. Well, I don't think I liked or disliked him. I, I didn't wanted, like him. I, I wanted hate... to know more. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, my I, take. I thought he, like, you know, undoubtedly he's got a shit situation, but I thought he's just a selfish person yeah. who just goes What about his love for his brother? Do you oh, know yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know. thought that was love only where it helped him. Yeah. If he loved his brother, he wouldn't have put him in that position in the first place, but he needed him. And when he needed him, he, he used him. And do you know so what supports he, you know, that take is the initial scene yeah. where he draws him yeah, out exactly. as the therapy... And it's like, what Yeah, that's if you believe in, like, big therapy. Oh, yeah. no, because, yeah, but he believed in... <laughs> we did, I guess we didn't see his uh, prescription pad, uh, <laughs> how much uh, oxycodone so, and... Uh... So the Satchel Brothers do a good job <laughs> yeah, yeah, in that yeah, place. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the brother and ending the film with the brother, it's oh. like, here's the motivation. Right, can, we, can we save the ending for later? Let's just yeah, like, focus on But just starting yeah, it with, like, focusing on the brother in this situation, like, clearly handicapped. It's a bit like, okay, so here's the motivation for the main character's entire 
thing whether or not you like the character and like I'm not really sure whether or not you kind of want him to succeed because he's at least at least he thinks in part that he's doing the things he's doing uh, okay, he's so you always want to believe he's good yeah, yeah. You can, you I, can, agree. No, I agree with that you can 100% say that he exploited his brother and that he needed the second person to commit the robbery if you think that but the fact that the rest of the film is about him spending the money that he just stole to break <laughs> his brother out of prison. But I think surely I, that's... So I think the reason he wanted to break just, his brother out of prison so he was, was, not, to, was <sighs> not because, I've got to say, my brother was because he thought, fuck, I feel bad no, for myself. But no, no. I fucked up and I've got to clear my conscience. But he had the that opportunity was my to flee with the missus to oh, Florida. I agree. He's, he's not pure evil. He's not like, but the he's first time on the selfish and he's only serving himself. And the only reason he wanted to break out the brother was to clear his own conscience and maybe to go so far as to say that he was worried okay, the brother just, might drop him in. Can we just flag something here? Just I don't agree with that. Connie is the pure capitalist in the sense that he is... <laughs> Trying to exploit his own self for his benefit, and Dan's just against that. I mean, yeah. like, look, that's, just, that's the fact of the life. Yeah, I don't believe in collectivist yeah. action. I'll, I'll wear that. I'll wear that. Dan's like, he should go and stay. No, he should have shared that twenty thousand yeah. dollars with his yeah, 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 yeah. 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 The IRS. And then the film would have been better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he should have invested it in a slush fund like Julie Gillard did, and yeah. none of that was proven. <laughs> <laughs> she um, invested it through Black Lives Matter. It's on, Wikip- it's on Wikipedia. And elected <laughs> Biden. And then his brother would be out of jail once Biden <laughs> signs off on the Crime Act. Okay, right, what's our next topic? <laughs> the Crime Act, I believe. <laughs> okay, let's. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. You wanted to go for the wider themes, Connor. Okay, so another, not necessarily a wider theme, but a context of the film is that the film is shot almost entirely in close up. Flicks through characters' faces. It's very claustrophobic. The mm. film is grainy. Um, it's shot on film. It's not high definition in the sense of there's a lot of motion blur. There's a lot of grain, um, and you constantly focus on the characters' faces, not on the on the broader scene or the broader geography of the of the landscape. Um, and I think that builds entirely towards the um, claustrophobic nature of the film, the thriller, the tense nature of the film. Um, how did we? How do we like the cinematography in the film? So the very, very first scene, particularly with the therapist, and obviously this was intentional. I thought, oh, here we fucking go. It's going to be one of those movies where every scene I'm going to say, "Can you please zoom out?" And I know they're doing it intentionally, and that starts. But I, but I kind of it's interesting because, and I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. I thought it was more intense at the start, particularly the very first few scenes, and then it petered off. But was it just that I adjusted? I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. It's the same intensity in terms of the filming um, framing, but it's just that those the start scenes and the end scenes with Nicholas are the most emotionally yeah. intense, yeah. and that therefore the rest of the film doesn't feel as intense. Because like if you look at Nicholas, like fucking cry when he's talking about describing. Yeah. How he had an argument with his grandma. Like, that's emotionally distraught. And the rest of the film doesn't reach those levels. But the same cinematography holds throughout. Well, it's almost like it's an isolated, um, intense, intimate moment with a character. But that's still the character's life that unfolds in the film. So it's like this isolated 
on the spot, the spotlight's on you, you're being questioned, you need to answer scene. So naturally it's not going to be as intense as the rest of the film. But at the same time, um, I honestly thought that I don't have a, si- a single criticism of the cinematography of the film because I think it's probably the strongest aspect yeah. of I, their film. I really like the um, cinematography. I feel like that close-up, like, in, like, amongst the action kind of grittiness of it, just kind of made it feel like you were, like, another person in the room with all the chaos and really helped to, like, amplify that anxiety-inducing feeling of the film. Mm. Like, all this thing could be happening, but if you're shooting in a wide angle shot seeing everyone's reaction at the same time you don't feel like you're in there you feel like an observer whereas you miss it when they're like cutting from a face to a face to a face it looks like you're in it feels like you're in the room looking over someone's shoulder being like what is happening in this room yeah really gave like the dynamic of the room at the time yeah exactly and putting aside beautiful landscape scenes how often in a movie i mean you're a little bit different but how often in a movie do you genuinely go like oh wow that's really interesting like framing and filming very or film uh, cinematography very rarely but in their films well, you know, yeah, maybe really for you guys but for me anyway yeah for me very rarely do I go oh, that's, a, that's really interesting the way the way they've used the cinematography to frame the, yeah, the plot and the characters really well, oh, yeah, well exactly but those movies I go like okay what, what are they trying to do with me here with the cinematography and then um, I respect it yeah I have like I said absolutely zero criticism of the cinematography I think that they're some of the, be- the best cinematographers in film currently. And I'm actually like blown away by how consistently good it is throughout the film and how they never take the pedal off the gas. Yeah. Can I ask, this is kind of going, reverting back to plot, but you know how, and it was particularly interesting to hear the therapist or social worker guy, the, the old grey curly head guy say... Oh, like, you know, Connie did the right thing and, and all that at the very end. What do we think he did, or is it pretty obvious that he just sort of oh, complete can't... Mia Culpa, yeah, complete... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, you know, he said, like, he's where he belongs now. Yeah, but he, he, like he says, says something like he did the right yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, so he said he... his brother's... So ma- maybe, I, maybe he, I was he harsh. Was maybe he, yeah, was... Yeah, you obviously were harsh, yeah. You didn't understand the film. That's understandable, yeah. <laughs> you know, very quick. I wouldn't expect it. Yeah. <laughs> right, you take a while, take a while to pick things up. Well, we've got... Um, do we want to speak on the ending? Yeah, let's speak on the ending. Because obviously so that... can I go first? Obviously, can that, can no, well, obviously that held a close part in some of the podcasters' hearts. Um, I was already deflated from how bad the ending was that I couldn't really focus on that part of the ending. But for those that enjoyed it... So, oh, like, that movie, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to give it a good rating and I enjoyed it, but it might be within the top, I don't know, 300, 500 movies I've seen. But that ending, I might put on, like, the top ten endings I've ever seen, possibly even the Mount Rushmore of endings I've seen. Like, that was... And we, we were kind of chatting, and the credits started rolling, and I like the way they do that. They sort of... They kind of have put a trump card, or they've, like, gone a power play, but they're not full of themselves. They say, we'll roll the credits while we do probably the most powerful scene in the movie we've written, and that, like, cross the floor, like, it's a very simple premise that we can all understand, but cross the floor if you've ever been blamed for something you didn't do. Like, that... That blew sure, me away. Like, so, that yeah. blew me away. By end of the movie, you mean the cross the floor thing rather than the... Um, oh, sorry. Drawing, yeah, drawing, I've, I've probably jumped in. Yeah, yeah that's can we, fine, let's, that's but fine. let's Yeah, let's discuss the cross the floor scene first and then we'll go, yeah. you're right. That, I, I consider that the climax rather yeah, than yeah. the ending. So okay. let's talk about the ending okay, first. Okay. Blew me away and I might put on my Mount Rushmore of endings. Amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think 
it's, I mean, like, I don't want to say it's cheap, but in the sense of, like, as a person, like, you just can't not get emotional yeah. when you have a person who's mentally handicapped in that way and is expressing their emotions and expressing their emotions. It's just incredibly emotional and it was an incredibly emotional finish. But and they but they tied it takes the movie away. Really it's well. like the movie isn't about Connie the movie is about Connie in the sense of the plot's about Connie, the plot's about Connie's fuck ups, all those things. At the end of the day, the movie is about Nicholas and like it's like how's Nicholas dealing with all this? And it's not well, and it is a tragedy. It's a classic tragedy. <laughs> the so I was going to ask, do you think it's a positive ending or a, or a sad ending? It's I think tragic. it's a beautiful ending. I don't know if I can make an assessment. Well, the question wasn't for me. I don't make an assessment whether it's positive or negative. It was beautiful. Stefan? Yeah, I don't have any comments to make on the ending. I thought, you know, it's a scene portraying a mentally handicapped person taking part in a group session where they give... Uh, intellectually disabled people an ability to express themselves and I thought, you know, it was a fitting ending but I'm not sure I felt the power of emotion that you two have described today but I also don't have any criticism of the emotion that you felt because I don't know your relationships with people with mental illness or anything like that but for me, I was just I felt deflated from how Connie's story ended and the credits rolled, and I think that's cool that they have the ending while the credits rolling in the same way that I think it's cool that the film unfolds whilst they have the opening credits. Mm, I'm a big fan of that in old-school cinema. <laughs> I haven't been a fan of modern film taking that away and dealing with it at the end because I think, like, you should portray the important people of the film at the start of the film so I know who I'm working with for the rest of the art that I'm about to experience. But at the same time, um, yeah, I don't have a hot take on the ending like so, you two do. Unless you have something to say about the ending, Zan, can we go to the climax? But do so, you... like, I don't know. Like, I just felt that it was a bit unique in the sense that um, depending on who you felt like the, the hero of the story was, like, like the subject of the story was, could, you could like read differently into the, into the ending. Like if you thought like, you know, this is Connie's story, we're following Connie, it's like, this is a sad ending. Because the brother has been put in a situation where Connie was trying to stop him at the start. He's now in this, um, like, mentally handicapped, like, class thing. It's essentially like a daycare type situation. And he's like, like, you're not really expressing too much autonomy. Like, it's just crossing the room. It's like telling people how he feels, that sort of thing. But if you feel that Connie is ultimately bad and that it's a Nicholas needs to get away from his brother kind of story, then it's like it's all ultimately triumphant in this like, well, now he's in a position where he can thrive. Empower himself, in, yeah. In, in, a, in a different environment type thing. So I feel like you can see both of these readings in it. And that's why I was interested to see like, mm. how mm. you guys... Yeah, I concur with Zan's take. I think that's very more on board with what I felt. <laughs> well, I like the take. I don't agree, but... No, no, can we go, can we go yeah. climax? Here we go, climax. Yeah. Five minutes on climax. Well, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. well, so like, and this is the problem is because of maybe I just enjoyed it, but because of uncut gems, I was thinking like, like Robert Patterson's getting a bullet in the head, or or he's shooting a cop. Something intense is going to happen, and I kind of liked the. I mean, obviously, a man falling from a high rise building is a bit intense, but it, like, I, I don't know. I enjoyed the ending. Maybe it was purely or the climax rather. Maybe it was purely because it wasn't what I was expecting. But I kind of liked and your point along all along, Connor, was things are just unraveling around Connie, and like it's not a big climactic ending where he shoots a cop or he does something heroic. He's just kind of in the back of a police car, 
slowly going away as basically everything falls around, falls apart around. But how's the zoom in? Yeah, yeah, bars, all that. Yeah, see, like you know, it's a, it's it frames the film. It's like Connie's been fucking up to this point, and it's come, it's come to an end. Like it's, it's all fallen down on him. He's in the bars. The bars are fading away in the sense of. Connie's realization of how much he's fucked up. There's nowhere else to go. Fact, that's the end. It kind of felt like they wanted to do the Safety brothers wanted to do more with it, and I don't know if that's because like yeah, in the context of Uncut Gems and like they did so much more in that. But like with the the guy, like we don't care about the the dude he broke out. No, no, no. Who's been like in the half of the movie? Him, he fell, and we're all like, oh, but we're all kind of like, oh, because it's a dude falling from a, a building. It's not really because we care about that character at all. It's, mm-hmm. it's just like that's shocking to see generally. So like I don't know. I felt like they would have rather it be Connie as that like falling character or something. I don't know. It just yeah, felt like I, they would have I, rather I had something. like some more kind of like dramatic tragedy no, for Connie. Rather the, than, the tragedy is Connie. Coming to realise that there's no more turns to make. He's made all the turns he possibly can throughout the night. He can't do any more. And then the tragedy is that he accepts his fate. He mere culpas up to the issue and he saves his brother. That's the tragedy. Like, if he had died, he doesn't have the ability to save his brother. They don't, they don't seem to, like, dive into that, like, with the filmography, really. When no. It's just like you're in the drone shot seeing him run from the cops, jump a fence, then get tackled. It's a bit like, oh, that's over pretty quick. No, but it's exactly because that he's at that point he's still taking. There's one more turn to take. I yeah. take literally. I turn up this step and I run out to the car park. There's literally turns to take, and then the final scene is you zoom in on his eyes in the back of the car, back of the cop car, back of the cage, and you know that's when he realizes it's done. It's yeah. like he's taking everything he can. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, I didn't feel an intimate connection with Connie throughout the film and that might reflect that I didn't feel an intimate connection to him at the end. I agree. Well, I don't know if Sam said it in those words, but I would have much rather to see him fall from the building. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of me just wanted the Turkish guy or the Arab guy to kick in the door, the dog to maul the guy with the fucked up face and the the guy to kill Connie and take the bottle of acid and Connie just to be laying on the ground dead or for a bottle of but, Sprite of acid. Well, not it's even, like, just like there'd be to that me, kind of conflict to like, yeah, I know. To me, I was just like, how mild it got towards the end. I was looking for a bang. And it's not because of Uncut Gems. I would have said this if I'd never seen Uncut Gems. Would you? <laughs> I, I definitely would have. It's that the film kind of lent itself to the intensity of that kind of ending and I'm not really satisfied with Connor or Dan's explanation of what the ending meant because that's just not how I felt like I didn't feel like that was the that it was the sacrifice to the brother or whatever it was like this dumb criminal made these dumb choices and went to the security guard's house which is probably the first place the police are going to look and they arrested him and he's probably going to prison for a very long time I was just kind of like that's the ending of that film like I don't know to me, the ending was the worst part of the film and was a fitting ending to the trajectory the film was on after they found out that the brother wasn't who they broke out of the hospital. See, like, on that, I feel like the ending kind of play, plays more off, like, the decision at the start of the film to rob the bed rather than any decision he's made since. 
So like when you've got that that disconnect from the decision and the consequence, it's a bit like, well, this seems anticlimactic. Like I would have been a lot more satisfied if you had this decision in the building, like Stefan said, where like they came to blows or something. Mm. Someone like if if the guy died or like something happened there, like he let the dog maul him. Like he had yeah, responsibility for this action that's just happened. Now he has to bear the consequences. But that gives there's like a cause and effect there, rather than like, oh, you remember that thing that happened like an hour and twenty minutes ago? That's why he's getting arrested. That, yeah, okay, okay. I was looking for the cause and effect. Yeah, but, that, really okay, but, but that gives too much autonomy to Connie, who is not in control of the universe. Like you, that gives but then Connie that, too much. But control. that lends on the fact that I have to accept your initial take about him being a fuck up, which I don't. Which you should. But I don't. <laughs> anyway, but I, I already said earlier that I don't like that. And then, and then, yeah, and then, yeah. Then, neither did I. The, the point is, he doesn't have the autonomy to do this. But okay, let's. All right, let's move on. That's your take on it. That's yeah. my take. But like, it could have. And I think if we were having a conversation with Safety Brothers, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, they could have." Yeah, that's probably what they were saying. I would still disagree with them. They could have very easily changed. You should have done it better at the end there to be like, "Okay, he's done this. This is the consequence of his thing." And I feel like that would have been narratively a better. Ending to the film. Okay, uh, so let's anyway. go. So ratings. after, okay, so then we're going to ratings. Yeah, let's go to ratings. Daniel, after your incredibly successful pick of oh, Troy no, last no. week, please tell us uh, what your rating for this for this film was. As in my first pick of this new round, considering you picked Troy, which is back to the normal rounds for anyone that was wondering that wasn't there, including Zan. Yeah. Um, so I was seeing this film. I like remember like when you were like this movie I picked. I was a bit like, oh, that movie again. That was my different take. Watching it, I was like, okay, this is better than I remembered it to be. But I definitely think it has shortcomings, especially in the context of post-Good Gems. And I'm sorry, but it's impossible to assess one without considering the other. I'm probably going to give it like a seven. Steph? Uh, Yeah, obviously, as alluded to earlier, my first time watching this film was a fucking head over heels fan of uncut gems and as i just as zan just alluded to it is impossible to separate the two because they're so similar in so many different aspects um and that to me just left me feeling hollow but not in the hollow way of um wow that film really made me feel hollow in the hollow way of like i was just looking for more i'm not a huge robert patterson fan i was not a huge fan of the ending and also the last third of the film um taking into consideration that this podcast has also selected starship troopers as a film um <laughs> it probably bumps it up 0.5 so that's a 6.5 out of 10 for me keeping in mind that i'm a huge fan of the intensity in the film and the cinematography that they do but that's a 6.5 uh, so coming into this i i kind of thought implying my prejudices that I was only going to give this a six, maybe a seven. And then at the very start, I thought, here we go, this is a six of a movie. But I really enjoyed it. And then coming off the, the ending, the high from the ending, I was possibly thinking 8.5. And I think I could have been convinced in the discussion that we've had, but those against have made some fair points. So I, I won't give it the 8.5, but I'll give it an eight. I really enjoyed it. And maybe it was just because I had low expectations, but I, I thought it was an enjoyable film. Okay, so I'm going to come through. So um, I come through and give this film the rating that it deserves. Um, and that's a rating of 9 out of 10. In the sense that this film is... It doesn't shoot for the stars, but it hits exactly what it wants to hit. Um, it's an excellent example of the type of cinematography and the type of tension that the Safety Brothers built. 
and I think it's flawless in that concept. Um, it's 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 constrained but flawless, and um, I think it's Rob Pattinson's best work. And I am a fan of Rob Pattinson, um, just generally. I love the guy. Um, <laughs> And so I think this is, I think this is even nine. I haven't seen Lighthouse, but he came to. But I think it's deserving <laughs> of nine. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and we just, we just spoke for an hour about why the hopefully 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 next week or the week after, but hopefully next week during due to the Christmas period, we're trying to speed up some here. We'll be watching Gene Hackman in the Conversation, which is Mr. Sutherland's pick, which um. By some critics, is considered a better film than The Godfather. So stay tuned for that we'll one. We'll see how that plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I'll give it a 6.5. <laughs> <laughs>